The following content is rated explicit for language in adult situations. So listen with headphones. Or don't. We don't judge. Have you ever wished that your world had more magic? Or that your favorite character had survived? How about a full-length spinoff of your favorite childhood series? Then do we have a podcast for you? Hello, everyone. I'm Claire. And I'm Kat. And this is Fire Whiskey and Honey, the podcast about your favorite novel-length Potter fan fiction. The Dead of Time. Each episode, we read a chapter of this story. Which I try to remember from week to week. Try being the operative word. Without further ado, here's our recap of last week's chapter of The Dead of Time. opening ever that just scared the crap out of me I'm, I'm sitting here and i'm trying to figure out like what am i gonna say today and she just blasts that good god hi good morning i don't need caffeine now how are you i don't know why i'm saying good morning it's fucking 7 45 at night uh it's way later than we intended to record but that's fine Hi, cat. Well, Facebook decided to be a butthole, so that's not our fault. Okay, this is going to be airing in like two or three weeks, so you guys are probably well over this, but three weeks. Oh my god, we're so far ahead. I'm so proud of us. Um, So number one, Facebook was being dumb and Messenger wasn't working at all. Everything else worked, but Messenger did not. Also, that brings me to a very important announcement. I don't know if you all know this. But I'm super pregnant. And by super pregnant, I, I, I like when people say super pregnant because it's like, I'm sorry, were you, were you only half pregnant before? Like a quarter pregnant? Like, what? Okay, so. I will be having a child some point around the end of May, early June. The plan is for us to record all of season five before that happens. Now, season five doesn't end until July, but... We have all decided as a group that it would probably be best if, one, we powered through that. Two, I absolutely demanded to read the season closer for season five, which, as many of you at this point know, is chapter 85, Invigoration. Yes! And so, we will be recording a little ahead, which means if we're referencing things that happened like two, three weeks ago, maybe four weeks ago, Please don't think we're crazy. We just were trying to work ahead so that in the event that I have a screaming infant who doesn't let me have a one hour break, and in case I need that one hour break to sleep, uh, we have a buffer. So. Also, so you get a maternity leave, just as a clarification. Yeah, but I, like, yes, I want a maternity leave because obviously I want to spend every waking moment staring at this beautiful little alien that I have created and have pushed out through blood sweat and tears and hopefully not pooping on the table but you know it's a thing and everybody knows it's a thing and nobody talks about it because it's taboo i'm making it less taboo a lot of people poop on the table they just don't tell you about it anyway also you're sitting on a pad and then they just you know throw it into a garbage can and you never see it so most people don't know um except for my friend whose sister went ha you pooped on the table um Uh, Her sister was also acting as her doula at the time, so, you know, very supportive. But, I digress. 
if we are referencing something that you posted weeks ago, please don't think that we're crazy. We just were super ahead and trying to ensure that you guys have enjoyable seasons and continuity and aren't left in the lurch. So, Kat? Yes? What happened was... Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, you asked me what the man. previous chapter was so you could review. Yes, I know. I know what had happened was. Then tell me. I don't want to tell you anymore. I'll tell Hannah Beth. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is... Me, your singular listener. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. What had happened was... So... We started off with a cleansing charm, which I found hilarious. <laughs> the bubbles. Didn't know what that was, but that got explained to me real fast. So, serious, serious. That's his name. Was in Maya's room, but he thought it was his room. And he was still a little bit, uh, drunky drunk from the night before. And then they had this whole conversation and he kind of still loves her. But he's respecting Remus's territory because, ooh, see what I did there? Territory. Um, is respecting the bro code, the territory. And then they had this whole conversation about all of that. And then, um... It was morning. And then she ended up in... No, not Remus's bed. She ended up back at home. And then her mom found the boys. And they were all still drunkity drunk. And then she <laughs> was like teasing them with the sober up serum potion thingy. And then that was funny. And then... Something else happened. I think it... Oh, the broom thing happened. The broom thing. That's what happened. The broom thing? Yeah, there was something at the end about the broom. No, not the broom. Motorbike. Yes. Flying motorbike. There yes. we go. It's not a broom. It's a flying motorbike. Yes. Claire but... and I are both like scrounging the end of the last chapter going, what the <laughs> hell is she talking about? <laughs> yes. So, um, that being said, uh, the motorbike thing. Yes. So the boys went out riding on the motorbike and Daria made it very clear that they were to keep it on the ground because she's a mom and she gets it and she knows they've already made it fly or at least charmed it so that it can fly and I'm getting very like Arthur Weasley vibes right now why are you doing that I don't know I don't this is an audio thing. format <laughs> this is you audio format nobody you. can see me head bob anyway that was actually a fantastic uh overview cat I'm very impressed also, no, it you, wasn't. Stop lying. No, it, no, was it actually was it, really good. It was very succinct. It covered all the bases. And you neglected to mention that I made Sirius sound super country when he's drunk, which was an accident. But also because I had just been hanging out with people from rural Missouri. Oh my god, I have the hiccup burps. I'm sorry, <laughs> Hannah Beth. 
Anyway. By the way, does anybody know the answer to that question that one of our listeners posted in the comments of that thing that I posted about the liquid luck? Like, do potions have a shelf life? Do they go bad? Like, what is that? I would think so because in the muggle world here like it depends on what the base is so like if i were to make a marshmallow root infusion to help with acid reflux i would sit the marshmallow root in room temperature water for like four to six hours and then i would take out the root and leave it in a fridge and it'll stay good for three to four days if I make a alcohol-based, like astringent from rose petals, that's going to last a hell of a lot longer because uh, alcohol is a preservative. So I think like some things last longer than others. So well, I w- clearly Felix Felicis would last for forever because Harry won it like super early into year six and then didn't use it until the end of the book. Yeah, so like... I would think Felix has a longer shelf life. Wolfsbane, it's also more, however, I don't, it's a more complicated potion. Yeah. And I think, you know, they probably work that kind of stuff into it. But, like, you know, certain things like hangover potion, pepper up potion, skelegro, the things that are being sold on shelves, I would think last longer than, say, like, you know, a polyjuice potion. Like, Apologies Potion, I feel like, doesn't have a very long shelf life. So there's no such thing as, like, refrigerated potions or... Well, I mean, y- you gotta think they have ice boxes because they store yeah, their... cooling meat. cabinets. Cooling cabinets, yeah. Because, I mean, all you have to do is cast a cooling charm and voila, meat stays good forever or longer. But um, yeah. we know that, like, food can rot in the magical world because... For those of you who read the books, the death day party, um, all the food is super rotten because if the ghosts fly through rotten food, they can almost taste it, whereas fresh food, they can't. But, um... Oh, because I was kind of hoping that, like, all those feasts they have in the movies when they're at school, they have, like, some kind of, like, wizard Panera or something and they, like, donate it to, like, wizarding homeless shelters or something because that's a lot of food. All those kids cannot eat all that food. But if we're talking about things lasting and casting magic to preserve them, I mean, how much of it is getting... Oh, God, now I'm thinking of them, like, taking back the wolves rolls and then reserving them the next day (laughs) i'm having flashbacks to a uh, waiter i knew who worked at a sketchy restaurant who would stick his finger in each roll to make sure they couldn't reserve them to other tables because the restaurant was guilty of doing that it is not any place in clarksville or key west but um good clarification (laughs) yeah yeah no it's not a local restaurant that i've been to but uh yeah So, and this has been Magical Discussions with Cat Claire and Hannah Beth. And And we're teaching them things. We are. and We're teaching the muggles like me something (laughs) that they don't know. And I like these tangents because they are still on brand. Yeah. Well, they're fun thought experiments as, as much as anything else. Like, it's fun to think, like, what's one of the things that I love about the world that Dan created, um, that it's so, 
A, because Harry is such an unreliable narrator. So, like, who the hell knows? It totally could have happened. We totally could have had that thing happen in the background. But also because he's not super curious about how things work. So there's lots of really cool explanations that, like, if Hermione was the main character, we would know the stupid ins and outs of all this. But it's one of the reasons that I love The Dead of Time, though, is because Hermione and Maya are the main character. She breaks things down and figures them apart and tries to make it work um, or figure out how everything ticks. And so I think that that's one of the cool things about this world and why it's so interesting for fanfic is because it's so easily expandable. Yeah, because there's so many unanswered questions that you could plausibly make up answers for and be completely correct and nobody would know. But there's also enough logic already placed in that you could follow the logic to the nth degree to figure out what that would mean and look like, you know? Yeah, that's why I asked you guys the question, do we know anything about Snape's parents? Because when I was listening for our chapters for the other pod, I was like, on the part where they were talking about how, like, he was such a butt in school and everything with them. And I was like, but... Wait a second. Is he like a Draco? Did he have crappy parents and it's not really his fault because that's what he learned? And then I learned that Dementors can't see. What the crap is that? How can they eat your face if they can't see you? They can sense you. Yeah. So it's kind of like if you had a... With dogs. uh, Double morals especially. So... For those of you who don't know, like a blue merle or red merle, the dogs that have the really pretty spotted coats, it's usually like Australian cattle dogs and that kind of stuff. If you breed two merles together, their offspring are almost certainly going to be both blind and deaf or one or the other. They cannot be bred together. It is extremely dangerous. Um, So when you're dealing with a double merle, which is what the offspring is called, Because they are blind and deaf most times, they have to rely on their sense of smell. Dogs are fucking unbelievable at it. I've watched a double Merle sitting in the front yard. His owner came home, drove up, parked, got out of the car. Keeping in mind the dog cannot see this and cannot hear the car. Still knew his owner was there because he could smell him. And his nose followed and he was able to find him. Even... And, you know, he, I'm assuming the dog obviously knew the backyard and, you know, didn't trip over any toys or anything, thank God. But he was able to follow his nose to find his human. And it didn't matter that he couldn't see him and he couldn't hear him. He could smell him. And I think that's how Dementors work. Also, I really could have just said blind and deaf dogs, but I thought it was important to educate people on the importance of not breeding two merles. Yeah, that makes sense. It's like for the in Miami for the heat games, they have dogs that can sniff COVID. So that's yeah, one of the I precautions that. that they took in. And I thought that was cute. It's like, okay, you could smell diabetes and you could smell COVID. Cool. I did like the people who were like, what else are they trained to smell? Yikes. <laughs> it's like, yes, maybe don't also bring drugs. Like, Don't bring COVID, don't bring drugs. But anyway. The dead of time. Chapter 66, Unwell, June 25th, 1977. The sun had barely set over the horizon of orchard trees behind Potter Manor. Despite it being late June, a soft summer breeze compelled Maya to cuddle into Remus's side in search of heat, and she grinned when he wrapped a large arm around her shoulders and tugged her closer. 
They stared out at the lush reds, pinks, and oranges painted against the sky, and for the first time in a long while, the two had relative privacy in the manor, although Tilly was always somewhere nearby. Beside the house elf, though, Maya and Remus were alone. James and Sirius had taken the motorbike out for a test run after tweaking the engine. Daria was in St. Mungo's dealing with hospital board members and something she was trying to organize, but had yet to give details on, and Charles had gone to the leaky to meet up with some old friends. Maya gathered this meant, quote, secret meeting with Dumbledore, end quote. What do you want to do after Hogwarts? Remus asked, stroking his fingers up and down her bare arm. I thought we agreed on no future talk, Maya teased, watching with a curious glance as Remus's cheeks colored a little. I'm not sure. I've considered going to work at the ministry. Nothing too important at first. Maybe work my way up the ladder and actually make a difference? That had been true in her original timeline as well, despite the multiple times Harry and Ron had pleaded with her to join the R's with them. Can wizards go to college? Not really. I think um, they do apprenticeships if they want to become like a potions master or a charms master, a transfiguration master, or arithmancy master. Um, but or that's... they have things like aura training where you need a baseline of all those other things with solid newt and DWT scores. Yeah, so it's either... I guess it is sort of the trade school versus yeah. uh, college thing. So like if you want to be a professor or in research, then yeah, you're going to go to, uh, you're going to apprentice yourself to a master and it's not really college cause it's one-on-one, -on -one, but that's how you're going to progress. Whereas pretty much everything else is on the job training. So if you want to be a wizard cop or if you want to be a curse breaker, if you want to work in government, uh, journalism, any of that kind of stuff, it's on the job training. <laughs> Well, okay, because Hogwarts is like high yeah. school, right? High school and yeah. basic education to prepare you for literally any job. So yeah, no, high school. Um, wow, so like she said, she can just go work after that and doesn't have to like... Yeah, they're... Okay, so that makes sense. So it's like I trained under Albus Dumbledore, so I know my stuff. Yeah, and the... Got it. The government, basically any job that hires you is going to look at your NEWT scores to determine how good of a fit you yeah. are. So like if you really want to get into curse breaking, but sorry, I have the hiccup still. If you want to get into curse breaking, but you didn't even get an exceeds expectations in charm work, probably not going to get hired. So. Got it. That had been true in her original timeline as well, despite the multiple times Harry and Ron had pleaded with her to join the R's with them. I could see you doing something like that. What department? Maya slowly sat up, scooting a bit away from him. Don't get angry. Ugh. He scowled in understanding, not needing her to say it. He straightened his posture, running a hand through his hair in frustration and staring at her incredulously. Don't get me wrong. There needs to be serious reform in the department for the regulation and control of magical creatures. But you forget that my dad worked there for years, and it's full of corruption. 
For all Maya know, for all Maya knew, it was working in the department for the regulation and control of magical creatures that had caused Lyle Lupin's corruption. Perhaps, if the ministry had an ounce of decency, there could be education about werewolves and other creatures instead of the control and regulation that ultimately bred fear. The entire ministry is corrupted, she said, thinking briefly of future ministers for magic, Cornelius Fudge and Rumus Rumus, Rufus Scrimgeour. It needs a complete overhaul, but I'd have to start somewhere, and where else would I get my foot in the door? Anywhere else. She rolled her eyes and gently pushed at his shoulder. You're biased. I think I could bring a lot to the department. I happen to be quite an expert on a certain subject. Wow, she is really one of those people. I can fix this, guys! Yay! (laughs) And then she gets there and it's like, crap. (laughs) This was a much bigger task than I had anticipated. I don't think I could do this. (laughs) Gryffindors, man. And I mean that as a compliment. Oh, he raised a challenging eyebrow. What subject might that be? Occlumency. <laughs> That'll never not be funny. She used the... Gotta fit it in where I can. Oh, no, that's, that's what, what he said. said. <laughs> <laughs> and this is why we're friends. Hey, oh is God. Occlumency copyrighted? Have we already had this conversation? I don't think it is. Yeah. Yo, Claire Green, hook me up. (laughs) She used the moment to try and talk him out of his bad mood by scooting closer and running her fingers up the center of his chest, dancing them up the side of his neck and using her index finger to draw a line against his bottom lip. Remus smirked and captured her finger gently between his teeth, trapping it. How to trap a werewolf, or how to wrap a werewolf around one's finger, for instance. He chuckled and released her finger, taking her hand instead with his own and kissing the inside of her wrist gently. By that logic, I'm an expert at how to wrap a witch around one's waist. He whispered seductively. (laughs) I love you so much right now. Reminding her of the night before, where, outside the concert in a dark alley, he had pinned her against a brick wall and drove her to unspeakable heights. Yeah, he did. (laughs) You're terrible. She kissed him before pulling away to continue her point. But don't you think I could do a lot of good there? Overturn archaic laws regarding werewolves and house elves and centaurs? What's this about centaurs? Charles Potter's voice broke through the back door. At the sound, Remus tossed Maya off of him, depositing her on the ground. She burst into laughter before turning her eyes upward and smiling innocently at her father. By the look on his face, Charles could easily tell which of the two teenagers had been the instigator. Remus cleared his throat. <clears> throat. Maya wants to work for the Department of the Regulation and Control of Magical Creatures. That would be perfect for you, sweetheart. I'm happy to hear that one of our children is making plans for the future. Oh, so she wants to do what Newt does in Fantastic Beasts. Mm, not so much. She wants to work no. more on the political side. She wants to try and overhaul uh, the legal system. Yeah, the legal system. Uh, about creatures. Yeah. Oh, okay. By the way, how come they keep track of witches and wizards who become animagus? There is a... What is that for? 
So that's going to come in. Oh, that's right. Because you're reading. I was like, how did you know about that? You're reading Prisoner of Azkaban and actually reading it instead of just watching the movies. And I'm so proud. I'm listening to it, but it still counts as reading. That counts. You're hearing the original words. So the Animagus Registry, and this also plays into book movie five as well. If you become an Animagus, you are supposed to submit a form to the registry or to the ministry informing them that you have become an Animagus and then they will document that so that in the event that they see that particular animal doing something weirdly human, they know it's you. It's no different than registering a car or a house or a weapon or any of that kind of stuff with the government so they can track it. Got it. The Marauders did it when they were, what, 13, 14? So, yeah, they mentioned that, but Peter somehow got around it because he's not on the thing. Th- none of them are. James, oh, Sirius, and Peter did not register. Oh, okay. Or Maya in this story. Yeah, and, and in this story, Maya doesn't either. Um, neither. But that's bad. Illegal. Oh. <laughs> bad is a subjective term, though, because... They became guy to, you know, support their friends. So that what are the good. consequences of that? They come to your house and possess your wand or something? Um, I mean, I think they would, like, if there was a suspicion, if somebody had come out and said, hey, there's a deer and he keeps stealing donuts from this food truck and he follows the food <laughs> truck around and he clearly knows what he's doing. So it's clearly not a real stag. It's clearly, you know, a wizard. They right. would go, the department for, uh... That whichever department uh, Arthur works for, the one about uh, muggle muggle re- study studies or whatever, yeah, muggle called. relations or whatever, yeah, yeah. that one. Um, they would probably step in and be like, "Hey, here's your first warning. Keep doing this shit. We're gonna fine you. We're gonna send you to jail. That kind of stuff." Okay. Um, the the biggest thing is just keeping track of people who have that capability. And in Order of the Phoenix, uh, Rita Skeeter is also an unregistered Animagus because she turns into a beetle. And that is yeah, very useful. Yeah, you mentioned that. But that's useful for what she does, and it is more useful when people don't know she can become a beetle. So she also illegally uh, did not register. Which and is also super immoral, which is why Hermione trapped her and turned her in. And also... Yeah. thought about them threatened to turn her in. Also why Rita never wrote anything about Hermione again because Hermione could have turned her over to the authorities. So it was a double whammy of this is super immoral, also super illegal. Yeah. But yes, so that's the Animagus Registry. Oh, I'm so proud. Yeah, I just wanted to know because I got to that part today and I was like, I could wait till Saturday, but I don't know what her vibe is going to be. So I don't want to like bombard her with questions and be like, sorry, I'm taking over your podcast, (laughs) but I need to know things. I'll just take over my own. <laughs> no fucking rules. Anyway. Um, do, 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 do. I'm happy to hear that one of my children is making plans for the future. As far as anyone was concerned, aside from a general interest in becoming an R, Sirius's plan was to drain the city dry of fire whiskey. James's only ambition was to marry Lily, and from the looks of it, only one of the boys was anywhere close to their goal, considering Charles's personal stash of Ogden's finest was missing. However, I would have thought you'd jump at the chance to become a healer. 
Madame Pomfrey mentioned more than once that she'd like to take you on as an apprentice when you graduate. Really? Maya's eyes widened at the thought. She remembered her first morning at the hospital wing following Remus's transformation when they were only eleven. Madame Pomfrey had asked if she'd been a healer in her previous time, suggesting that perhaps a future career in the field would be recommended. I'll have to think about it. Are you going somewhere? she asked, noticing the way he was fidgeting with the clasp of his robes. Yes, Charles sighed, and his cheerful demeanor faltered. Your mother just fire-called from St. Mungo's. Remus raised his brows. Is everything all right? Not sure yet. She's there organizing a fundraiser with several other charity heads. Apparently there's been a bit of an outbreak in the muggle world. But really? Both teenagers stood at the news of this. Oh. <laughs> oh my god, coronavirus came from the magical world. Those there it motherfuckers. Is. It took Light me a second. Bulb. I was like, huh? But now it makes sense. You're very clever. I appreciate you. Hey, I want to roll today. My day has been like a full circle moment today. Like, my brain is working. I'm proud of you. I'm glad somebody says. Uh, both teenagers stood at the news of this, each having personal investments with muggles and muggleborns. Some sort of flu that came over from Russia. It's put quite a few muggles and squibs in the hospital. <laughs> Sorry, that's too good. <laughs> it's a foreign virus. <sighs> anyway. Where's your mask? <laughs> Oh man, this is gonna be a rough chapter. Okay. They don't need they don't need a mask. They could just like put a charm around <gasps> their face. Charm. Yeah. Hannabeth, we love you. Oh my god. Oh no, I don't mean to edit. I just mean never mind. <laughs> Other reasons. <laughs> oh yes. Oh yes, I'm ready for it. Um Ooh, squibs. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I like the word squibs. It's put quite a few muggles and squibs in the hospital. They've had to temporarily move the residents of the Janus Thicky Ward to another facility just to make room for a number of new patients. Your mum's trying to get some money brought in to permanently add an entire floor specific to muggle maladies and medicines. Okay, pause. We cannot blame this on Claire's prediction. Shia clearly predicted <laughs> this before Claire even said anything. Okay, and also I was listening to chapter 2.8, or uh, episode 2.8 today, where I was talking about the fact that a tornado had just passed, and then I said, well, this is the Friday the 13th episode, and Kat goes, yeah, and Mercury is in retrograde, so everything's going to fall apart anyway. And literally three days later, the entire country shut down. So I just want to quit saying shit. I'm just saying <laughs> it wasn't just me. Cat called it too. My I, bad. Said, I said y'all. That's everybody. everybody. <laughs> Except for Hannah <laughs> She wasn't a part of I don't of this make yet. predictions. Thank you very much. Yes. <laughs> this is the predictive podcast and it's going to happen at some point. Um, hey, that means we're all what's her face. We're Trelawney. <laughs> uh, right. Use your inner eye. <laughs> your mom's trying to get some money brought in to permanently add an entire floor specific to muggle maladies and medicines. That would be wonderful, Maya beamed at the thought, though she quickly felt the hope drop out of the dream since she knew that St. Mungo's had no such muggle floor in 1998. 
a part of her resolved to change that should she ever be given the chance to return to her original timeline. Imagine how many people could be helped. If she can get the hospital board to agree. Unfortunately, she's got a bit of a rough patch ahead, fighting off the likes of Abraxas Malfoy and her nephew Cygnus. Is that why you're heading over? Going in for backup? Charles simply laughed at the suggestion that Daria would need him to help her, her with such a task. As though your mother would ever need the assistance of a man. Hell yeah. No, I'm going because your brother and Sirius were in a bit of an accident. Maya paled and ripped. <laughs> I like how he just like drops that. Like, oh, by the way, your brother was in a motorcycle accident. <laughs> Maya paled and gripped Remus's hand hard in worried anticipation. Mum says the boys are fine. Charles assured her, apparently seeing the distress in her eyes. James has a bit of a bump on the head, nothing worse than he's had playing Quidditch. They were on Sirius's death trap, weren't they? Maya hissed. That stupid motorbike. Can we come with you? Maybe St. Mungo's isn't the best place for you to scold them, Remus kindly suggested. Are you mad? It's the best place, she insisted, recalling the way Daria burst through the open doors of the magical hospital and sent each and every healer to tears as she demanded to be led into Sirius's room after his attack. Maya had learned that the hospital walls echoed wonderfully, and if she was going to yell at Sirius and James, she'd prefer her voice to have a little extra boost. Then put your wand up to your throat and yell at them. <laughs> yes, that would work. <clears throat> that sounds kind of dirty. Put your wand up to your throat. Wow. The three entered St. Mungo's through the flue, stepping th onto the ground floor through the green flames. Maya stood back with Remus as Charles approached the welcome witch's desk and spoke softly so as not to draw attention. A few moments later, he was leading them down a long hallway to a gu door guarded by two aurors. One of them, the very familiar face of Kingsley Shacklebolt, the other, a scowling older auror, who wore differently colored robes than Kingsley. Maya could understand what looked to be a bitter and permanent frown on his face. She had read more of Harry and Ron's R books than either of them had, and she recognized the variety of R robes and their significance. Kingsley's dark blue signified that, despite his young age, he was ranked above the man to his left. Why are there oars outside the room? Remus whispered to Charles as they approached. Doria forgot to mention that, Charles groaned as he approached the two men, hand extended in polite greeting. Those are my sons in there. Is everything all right? Ah, crap, what was my Kingsley voice? Did I have a Kingsley voice? Kingsley was like 17 the last time I did a Kingsley voice. Not entirely, sir, Kingsley admitted. We've already taken a statement from them, and though they're both of age... Being that they're still Hogwarts students, we'll have to speak to you about their situation as they're under your care. Charles sighed. Very well. Can my other children go on and see them? Go ahead. Kingsley nodded to both Maya and Remus. Maya smiled sweetly up at the familiar R before disappearing through the door, allowing it to close tightly shut behind Remus before she spun on her heels and hissed in Sirius's direction. What did you do? Evening, kitten. Sirius grinned up at her from a chair, perched beside the long white bed where James was. Neither looked particularly injured, though James had an expression on his face that Maya had become familiar with over many years of Quidditch. Muggles called it a concussion. She referred to it as bludgerhead. 
Don't you kitten me, Sirius Black. She put her hands on her hips and she stared at him in disappointment. Why is my brother in a hospital bed? Because the chair was taken. Before she had a chance to lash out in retaliation for his cheek, James laughed, drawing her attention. I'm fine, my. Just a little bump on the head. And the oars? Remus inquired with raised brows. I'm sure they're fine, too, Maya scowled. Jamie! Sirius sighed irritably. <clears throat> it's a big misunderstanding. We got into a little accident when a couple of... He paused as James cleared his throat loudly and shook his head, his eyes wide. What? Like she's not going to find out from Mum and Dad? Death Eaters chased us through the back streets of London. What? Why? Remus asked, with wide eyes as Maya gasped and crawled into James's bed, wrapping her arms gently around her brother. Do I look like I have the insight into the mind of a bloody Death Eater, Mooney? Sirius growled, narrowing his eyes when Remus opened his mouth to speak. Don't answer that. I'm guessing they recognized me and tried to wrap up a pretty padfoot-sized gift for their dear and fluffy Dark Lord. We outran them but unfortunately crashed my bike in the process and got arrested by muggles. Oars showed up and took over. Thanks to Prong's big swollen head, we were brought here instead of the ministry. Are they charging you with anything? Maya asked, concerned as she looked over James's head for any bumps and bruises. They haven't said. James pursed his lips in irritation, wincing when Maya's probing fingers hit a sore spot on his head. Then again, they haven't been too happy about our story. Easier to pretend that two teenagers are liars than to admit that Death Eaters are officially daring enough to fly their brooms in the middle of a muggle city. Closing her eyes, Maya focused on her breathing as she felt, slowly felt herself losing control. The two, wizarding world, uh, the two wizarding wars truly had not been so very different. Death Eaters attacking out in the open, the Ministry looking the other way, blaming a child, a potter, for disturbing the peace and calling him a liar. Remus scowled. They think you made the story up, and you're probably hiding something because of it. Which I don't understand, Sirius said. I happen to think I have a very sincere-looking face. A face that would look much better were it not attached to the rest of you, which seems to find itself in trouble more often than I care for. Doria walked through the now open door, a stern but affectionate look on her face as she stepped inside. She leaned first to kiss Remus's cheek in greeting before doing the same with Maya. Sighing, she turned her focus on Sirius and James. Your father has spoken with the oars and explained your history with that sort, she said, her gray eyes darkening in anger. And they're just now trying to get a hold of Professor Dumbledore for confirmation on the Caro twins' case. I thought I heard them mention Alfred, Sirius, so they might come back to ask you about Walburga and the others. He groaned, his head falling back. Wonderful. How's your head, darling? Doria asked as she ran her finger softly through James's hair, examining his head for swelling. He smiled, leaning into the touch like a child. Better. Everything's cleared up. Charles announced as he walked into the room. As soon as the healers say James is good to go, we can all head home. You take the children, Doria began. Children, Sirius scoffed. You take 
The little ones, Doria amended, and smirked at Sirius before turning her attention back to her husband. Home, and I'll see you all late tonight. Malfoy is putting up a fuss. He says if the care for muggles and squibs is so important, why don't we just ship them off to their own kind and let them pay for the privilege? She rolled her eyes and then added, Tosser. Sirius grinned and looked up at Doria with admiration. Battle of the Serpents. Watch out for his venom, Mom. Oh, darling, Doria said with a sweet laugh. He's a grass snake who merely thinks he's a cobra. I, however, am a viper, and my bite can take weeks to fester before it kills you. Her look of seriousness was only detectable through her cold eyes, as her tone was as sweet as honey. A little scary, Mum, Maya pointed out. I'm aware. Now go on, my lovelies. Take care of your brother, Doria ordered, kissing Maya on the forehead. James, no flying for at least a week. Sirius, don't you dare get on that motorbike until it's properly fixed, and not by yourself. She added before kissing the boys and then turning to Remus in the corner and sighing, smile on her face, fading only slightly. Remus, love, I'd like to have a chat, just the two of us later, all right? Did I do something? He began with a worried expression. Absolutely not, dear, Doria promised him, taking his face into the palms of her hands before kissing his cheek. I simply have a little gift for you. Okay. What did the Aurors say? James demanded the moment the door closed behind Daria. Maya, Remus, would you mind fetching something to drink for us all? Charles requested, scratching the back of his neck, his jaw tight. Maya knew that look. While Daria could sweetly scold when she wanted, Charles would not let his wife take all the credit when it came to disciplining the children. Despite Sirius and James being legal adults in the wizarding world, they were about to get a long overdue talk about responsibility. Are they in trouble? Maya eagerly asked her father. Yes. And you're not going to let me watch? That seems unfair. Go on. Charles playfully shoved at her shoulder, ushering her out of the room with an amused smirk on his face. Whew. I like that we're all getting really interested and not interrupting. This is fun. Also, I really like well, doing I, I'm voice. waiting. What, what am I supposed to make a face on? Like, that was not See, like... See, I told you to start recording always. I will record always. Now she's anticipating it. It makes it so much worse. And I also just realized that if they could see this, this is one of those acne stickers. I don't have something weird on my face, okay? <laughs> I'm trying to get rid of a zit. No, 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 no. Do you see this horrifically, like, over-dry shampooed hair? Yeah, no, this is just so that Shia can see you uh, laugh, cry, blush. Oh, okay. I was going to say. Now, the funny I'm part's ugly be, and I'm proud. <laughs> the funny part's going to be when she realizes that I started recording on the wrong chapter and absolutely nothing happens in this one. <laughs> That's not true. Thanks, Annabeth. Or is it shit? Yeah. I'm thinking about a different thing. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Wait, no, I legitimately... Okay. I legitimately thought... That, that, okay. The thing I thought was happening in this chapter doesn't happen the in this chapter. The thing you're not so thinking it, does not happen in this chapter. Yeah. Okay, we're good. So nothing happened. So why you recorded my face? Well, now I'm just going to record all of them. Oh. Okay. 
What do you suppose your mom wants to give me? Remus shoved his hands into the pocket of his second-hand robes. Dari and Charles had pur- purchased him new ones, of course, but he, had pi- polite- but he had politely insisted on saving them for Hogwarts. He didn't want anyone in Wizarding London or Diagon Alley to think he was using the Potters for their money. She probably wants to give you Grandmother Black's opal ring so that you can properly propose to me, Maya said casually, unaware at first that Remus had frozen in place, his eyes wide with absolute panic. She laughed as she put her hands on his shoulder and shaking him out of his stupor. Remus! Remus, I'm kidding. You know what we're not kidding about? The fact that the Grandmother Black's opal ring is available for sale through our very own cat butler! If you would like to obtain a Shia-approved version of the Grandmother Black's opal ring, please make sure you reach out to Cat Butler. She will be posting in the Facebook group, and you will be able to see the beauty that is available for sale on our page. Also keep in mind that I fucked up the last time and said that we would see Ginny's engagement ring. It is not Ginny's engagement ring. It is Lily's engagement ring, which is not a spoiler because obviously Kat knows that at some point in the future, James and Lily get hitched because without that, we don't get Harry. So, shut the oh fuck up, Oh my god, Kat. they get married? <laughs> please, please make sure that you go and check out Cat Butler's awesome Etsy store where she has Grandmother Black's opal ring for sale. It is gorgeous. I want one. I will get myself one at some point. Maybe after pregnancy when my fingers go back to whatever their normal size was. Push gift. <laughs> the push gift. Yeah. No. I think I explained what a push gift was to my husband and his response was, I thought that was the baby. <laughs> not wrong like nothing he gets me is gonna top that so yeah and and they don't get an injection gift so (laughs) no no his injection gift is getting to laugh because there is an inside joke about the night where it worked and he haunts me with that it is horrifying and no you guys will never know but Anyway. The dead of time. I mean, you two might. I'll tell you when we're not recording. Actually, Hannah Beth, cut the following. All I'm saying is, Claire, if you watch the Super Bowl and you see that Michael B. Jordan commercial for the Echo, I better get a text message after you see that. <sighs> I'm 100% Googling yeah, that Also, later. what day oh, is this Oh, God, Super it's Bowl? so good. <laughs> Sunday. Sunday. It's this okay, Sunday. perfect. It's not on Jimmy's birthday. That's all I care about. No, because the Today Show has been showing like teaser commercials and they showed the Michael B. Jordan one and I was like, if an Echo looked like that, I would get one. Because he's a human Echo and his eyes do the thing, the blue thing, and the, the lady's like, Echo, add oils to the list. And then her husband's like, no, don't add the oils, don't add the oils. I have a lot of concerns now. And with that, anyway, the dead of time. <laughs> and he takes his shirt off. It's great. Ooh, okay, oh my god. <laughs> Sorry. He's a beautiful chocolate man. I love him. <sighs> what do you suppose your mom wants to give me? Hot. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I have a hoodie on. Why am I wearing this? I don't this know. You have you learned no lessons? <laughs> anyway, okay. Also, this no. wasn't even story related. You just made yourself hot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just picturing 
Sirius Black is Michael B. Jordan moving forward. It'll be fine. He's more like Blaze, but yeah, okay. But anyway, um, oh wait. I've never met him. That's hard. <laughs> no, no, not my Blaze. Like Blaze Zabini from the actual <laughs> series. Who? Oh he Hold was on. in the movie. I don't know who that. Who is that? Blaze is one of Draco's he's friends. Like he's one of the... That's the same year as all of those. Yeah, people. he's one of the few like black characters who appears outside of like Lee Jordan and. Um... Oh, is he the kid that took over when Crab yes. got arrested? And no. the yes. actor. Oh yeah, and the actor switched. Yeah. 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 Tall, okay. Got it. Dark skinned, very yeah. attractive man. Yes. Yes, that is Blaze. Yeah. That's okay. Got it. Didn't know what his name was. About my Blaze, who helped build the brand new computer that Patreon paid for. Thanks. Uh, (laughs) All right. Oh, okay. Oh my God. The dead of time. Anyway, so we did the thing about Grandmother Black's opal, and Remus had a heart attack. Remus, Remus, I'm kidding. It's not. He swallowed hard. Because I... It's just... We're so... I'm... Incapable of forming coherent sentences? Yeah, Claire. <laughs> Rude. Rude AF. Hashtag truth. Fight me. Yeah, but if, but I can edit and make it sound better. <laughs> so it doesn't sound like that. So it's going to be nice and make it sound like she can do sentences. Yeah, and if it was me reading, it would be a lot worse because I insert words that aren't there. Read along with me. I do that all the time. It's usually very small words. Yes, I, I do read along. read along with you. I just don't call you out on it sometimes because sometimes it makes better sense. <laughs> so I just let it slide. Reading and speaking have two different types of writing. And so... And, yeah, cadences and cadences too. So yes, reading aloud sometimes I insert words that just make the cadence easier. Um, he laughed at the end of a nervous exhale. You're cruel, which I happen to think I'm very funny. Huh? It's cat. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> hey, our listeners have confirmed that I am indeed hilarious. <laughs> Dude, I listened to our blooper reel and I'm like, we're fucking hilarious. <laughs> I know. Anyway, oh my god, we're focused, we're focused, we can do this. I happen to think I'm very funny. Don't worry, Remus. I'm not expecting you to ask me to marry you. There is absolutely no need for you to get down on one knee. Both knees, however. (laughs) Remus? His attention, however, had been stolen from his girlfriend, instead turned to the man at the end of a long corridor, speaking with a healer. Dad? His father turned, and Remus blanched at the sight of his own father. He had always looked a bit shabby and under the weather, much like Remus himself, but now he looked positively ill. His stringy gray and brown hair was longer than it had been before, though he didn't bother pulling it back away from his pale face. His jaw was more than scruffy, but the beard was entirely unkempt. For a split second, Remus had the panicking thought that perhaps Greyback had tracked his parents down and infected his father. To verify, Remus inhaled sharply and exhaled in disgust and disappointment when he smelled not like anthropy, but fire whiskey billowing off his father like the steam from a train engine. <laughs> Approaching them with a suspicious expression, Remus's father narrowed his eyes. What are you doing here? You shouldn't be here. 
Maya's brother was in a small accident, Remus answered stiffly. Hello, Mr. Lupin. How are you? Maya said politely, stepping between Remus and his father as though she could either create a bridge between the two or a wall of protection. Remus figured, knowing her, that it was a bit of both. Her movement stirred something in Remus, an overwhelming sense of love and care, followed by a strong need to protect her from Lyle. Lyle, his father. Remus wondered when he had started thinking of the man by his first name, much like Sirius did with his mother. Lyle had never been physically abusive, the way Remus knew Walburga Black was, but the chasm between him and his father was significant, and he couldn't help but wish that Maya's father was with them right then. Lyle looked at Maya with a curious expression, his emotions flickering over his face before landing on disappointed. I see this is still going on. He frowned, gesturing to the way she held onto Remus's hand. My dear girl, I'm glad to see you're... Alive, Remus growled, intact, not disfigured or infected. Lyle's brief expression of politeness, politeness, honestly more accurate, politeness turned cold instantly. All of those things, yes. What are you doing here? Not bothering to look Remus in the eye, his gaze stuck in the space between him and Maya. He said, your mother is unwell. Mum? Remus felt his heart drop. What's wrong with her? What happened? Maya clung tighter to Remus's hand, bringing her free palm up to grip his bicep. Did she catch that muggle flu that's going around? My father was just telling us about it. I am so sorry. It's not your fault, dear. Lyle stated, his gaze finally returning to Remus's face. Excuse me? You think... You think it's my fault that Mum's sick? Remus asked in disbelief. It was one thing to blame him, uh, to blame his condition, but to blame him specifically for her catching a flu. She's always been a bit fragile, and the stress of... It's a hindrance to her health. The constant... Oh, <clears throat> the constant need to move didn't help in the slightest. Remus could feel the stress flowing off of his skin in pulsing waves. With every beat, he felt Maya's grip on him tighten. He couldn't think clearly enough to remind him that if he lost control, she would hardly have the ability to subdue him. Instead, his focus and anger were directed, were directed entirely on his father. And that's my fault? Reeking of liquor and shame, Lyle scowled, wiped his sleeve across his mouth and mumbled, Well, if you hadn't gotten yourself Bitten. Oh, shut up, muggle bitch. You tell him, Cat. <laughs> I was four, Remus shouted, drawing the attention of a few passing healers. Remus, Maya whispered. I was your son, and it was your job to protect me. That's what a father does. If anyone's fault, it's yours for provoking the werewolf community. Lyle narrowed his eyes. Defending them now. Defending the thing that killed my son. I didn't die. I'm right here. Don't you dare accuse me of defending that monster. Visions of a bleeding Greyback in the Forbidden Forest flooded his mind. He knew logically that he and Greyback were so different. And now, er, and now that he and his pack had conquered the vicious werewolf, even if only temporarily, Remus was Alpha now. A monster just like... Lyle began, but suddenly found his voice missing. 
Maya dropped her wand, having apparently cast a silencing charm, and turned to Remus. My love, you need to calm down. Remus wanted to pull away from her, but then he watched as she purposefully shifted her eyes to Amber, and Mooney was drawn to the colors, though briefly hypnotized. He still wanted to unleash the monster within, but lust and dominance had been thrown into the ring in order to fight against rage and bloodlust. He used the distraction to try and push the wolf back into his mental cage, anchoring himself with Maya's touch and scent. He breathed, uh, his breath began to steady just as she looked away from him, pinning his father with a glare. Mr. Lupin, I'll remove the silencing charm. Please note that it is my respect for your wife and my love for your son that has you still standing here in one piece, and not in a hospital bed of your very own, she said firmly, her tone a perfect mimicry of Doria's. Finite. I want to see my mother, Remus insisted immediately, before his father had a chance to speak. Miles scoffed at the notion. Absolutely not. In fact, I plan on... You can't keep me away from her. I'll just wait until you leave or pass out. You've clearly been drinking again. Using that werewolf sense of smell, eh? Remus narrowed his eyes. A part of him knew that it was stress and liquor talking, and that there had been a time in his life when his father loved him unconditionally. But that had been a very long time ago, and Lyle Lupin let his prejudices get the better of him. Still, Remus didn't try to use his lycanthropy as an excuse for poor behavior. He would not let Lyle use drinking as an excuse for his. A muggle could see that you're intoxicated. I'm going to attend to my wife. Lyle turned to go down the hallway, stopping for a moment to look back at Remus. You'll keep away if you know what's good for you. She's in a delicate state. Not have you getting a rise out of her. If I see you near her room, I'll call the R's. Don't think they'll take too kindly knowing that there's a werewolf on the loose in the building. Come on, love. Maya tugged Remus in the opposite direction. He struggled to focus on any single thought. His own father had threatened to call the R's. Was this it? Would he end up in Azkaban? Or would they put him down like a rabid animal? My mom... Maya, what if... Come on, Remus. She pulled him tightly against her, wrapping her arms around his chest, holding him close. We're going to see my mother. She's right there. If anyone can make the people in this hospital cower, it's her. She'll make sure you see your mom. Remus followed her, looking up to spot a large room where Daria Potter was standing beside a tall, pale man with long, white, blonde hair and several other witches and wizards in finely made robes. Maya led him by the hand towards the open door of the room. As they crossed the corridor of the hospital, though, Remus caught sight of the two oars that had taken James and Sirius in, arguing in a corner. In his peripheral vision, he caught sight of something black and creeping coldness shivered up his spine. Releasing his hand, Maya rushed forward, throwing herself in front of one of the oars as she yelled, Protego totalum! Four masked Death Eaters appeared, aimed their wands and curses, flew off of Maya's large shield, protecting not only both Aurors, but herself, Remus, and the entire boardroom where her mother was, as well as the few healers who had lucked into being behind her at the time. Remus reached for his own wand to assist her, hoping that they could shield the group together, allowing the Aurors to attack. 
Unfortunately, Remus was not fast enough, and the impact of one curse on the shield flung Maya backward. He yelled her name, rushing to her side, just as the R's advanced forward. She was bleeding from her head, and Remus sucked in a breath, using his wand to cast the first healing spell that came to mind. Just as Maya's eyes closed and she fell unconscious, Remus heard an explosion from several floors above them. No. The end! No. <laughs> so this was not, in fact, the chapter that I thought it was. So I actually did start recording too early. But now we're just going to record every chapter through the end of the season just because things happen. I think you should just always have a recording yeah. that we can dump it when there's nothing happening. <laughs> yeah, we can dump it when there's nothing happening. Thanks. And also Shia wants all of your emotions. Especially the blushes. She loves the blushes. Yeah, but the tears really keep her alive, though. Youthful. I think she'd survive just fine without them, but it is how she keeps that healthy glow. I mean, I think I've got more fucking crow's feet than she does. But anyway. How are we feeling? Pissed off. (laughs) I mean, a lot happened. We've got, you know, Remus's dad being a cocksucker, and we've got... Death Eaters attacking the hospital and Yeah, but I wanna know what exploded. I gotta know what happened. Yet another friendly reminder that you can always change your username to be whatever the fuck you want it to be. We'd like to thank our foxes Jackie, Becky, Rachel, Muggle Trucker, Becky, Carissa, <laughs> Becca, Leanne, Michelle, Ryder, Cassie, Amber, Ash, Ryland, Olivia, Amanda, Crystal, Connie, Heather, Emma. Ashley, Miriam, Amara, Claire, Sarah, Jade, Roshan, Chelsea, Paige, Audrey, Melissa, Jillian, Shelby, Nevi, Amanda, Sarah, Shannon, Tori, Martina, Dan, Kenny, Kara, Samantha, Carl, Michelle, Kara, Jenny, and one of the names I screwed up last month was Ina. It is Ina, not Ina. So... Thank you, all of you. We appreciate you greatly. And yes, thank you again to all of our wonderful foxes. Like I said, you guys managed to help buy a brand new computer for me because mine completely shit the bed. Uh, So we are slowly enhancing all of our technology. Next on the docket is to get Kat a new microphone because she's already got a badass computer and doesn't need an upgrade. But... And the day that that happens, she will also get an upgrade. Because you guys literally keep this podcast going. You keep our tech up to date. You keep it high quality so that we can produce high quality things for you. We also have renewed our P.O. box. So if you like to send us mail, please go ahead and do so. And as always, thank you for giving us all your hard-earned galleons and muggle plastic. We do appreciate it. Like I said. I I just would like you to know that every time I pull my debit card out, I think of it as muggle plastic now. (laughs) So. Uh, You're welcome. Doing the Lord's work. But also, like, but also, thanks for that. (laughs) Doing the Lord's work. Anyway. Kat. Hannabeth. We will see you next Fire Whiskey Friday! Hacha! Don't say hacha. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs>
Thank you for listening to another episode of Fire, Whiskey, and Honey. A special thank you to Shyalani for allowing us to read your story. And thank you to Blue Ivy Creations for creating our logo and Hannah Beth for editing our episodes. You can find us on Instagram at FWHpod. And on Twitter at FWHpodcast. And on our website, FWHpod.com. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to support and get extra content, please support us on Patreon and review us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you to those who support us already. We wouldn't be here without you. See you next Fire Whiskey Friday. Mm-hmm.